Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're blessed. We're healthy. We're whole. We're healed. Amen. What an exciting time to be alive. I mean, I really can't think of a more exciting time. God knew what team he was going to need on the field for this part of the game. And guess what? It's us. We're it. Which means we have the grace, the power, the equipping, and the anointing, as I was saying before, everything that we need is already inside of us. And all we have to do is access it by faith. And listen to me. And we cannot be surprised when the world acts like the world. We have to get over that right now because the world is what it is, and it always is going to be that way. What we have to do, do you know that Jesus was never surprised by how a sinner acted? It never surprised him. Do you know what did surprise Jesus? When people didn't act in faith. Oh, you faithless generation. That surprised Jesus. Jesus was more surprised at how the Christians were supposed to be acting, and I know they weren't Christians back then, but he was never surprised at how the sinners. He wasn't surprised when the demoniac ran up on him. He wasn't surprised at all. He just handled it the way that he had seen himself handle it when he was in prayer the night before. And God was feeding him inside information saying, hey, look, you're going to do this. You're going to get in the boat. You're going to go across the sea. You're going to go to the land of Gadarenes. And when you get there, there's going to be this demon-possessed person. Now, most of us, if God told us that, we wouldn't go to church the next day. There's going to be a what, where, and I'm supposed to do what? Let's just avoid that situation altogether. But Jesus knew what was coming before it happened, and he was prepared for what he needed when it happened. And I think that's a picture of what the Lord wants to do to us through His Word. The Word will keep us prepared for any circumstance and every situation because that's what it was designed to do. I made this statement during Sunday school this morning, and if you're not coming to 9 o'clock faith school, you need to come to 9 o'clock faith school. You get Sermon A during that part, and you get Sermon B during this part. But as I, I, I made this statement in our faith school today, is that most of us in this room, we were born into a culture. How many of us born in the United States of America? Raise your hands. We have quite a few that maybe weren't. How many were born outside of the United States of America? Quite a bit. Amen. But in America, and this is how I can speak to this, we were raised where in a culture where Sundays you get up and you go to church right? That was just regardless of what you believed or where you went. You just got up. Mom and dad put a nice, you know, suit on you, a nice dress. We got to keep those things straight too. And we would, we would go to church and we would go to church and we'd go to Sunday school and then we'd go to the service. And then maybe if everything worked out great, we'd go to Luby's or Los Tios for lunch, get our, get our fried chicken and our chocolate milk. And then from that point on, I just went and lived my life. I would get up on Monday and go to work, and Tuesday go to work, and Wednesday go to work, and I would have this life, and I would play sports, and then the weekend would come, and Saturday would come, and Saturday I'd mow my grass and, you know, try and catch up on everything. 
But then I would come back to this thing on Sunday. And see, God was never created to be a Sunday-only God. He was never, we were never created. This was never supposed to be the, 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 the culture where church was just a place. And I'm so glad that at least we still hold Sunday sacred to the most part in America. We're, it's, there's a fight for it also. There used to be, like you didn't do anything in town on Wednesday nights because everybody went to church on Wednesday night. And so you didn't have sports and we didn't do other meetings and you know, all those types of things. There was a reverence for it. That's gone. Side note, but I know where I'm going. I'm a big proponent. I've coached Little League Baseball, was a board member for Little League Baseball, was president of a board for Little League Baseball. And one of my purposes for being there, besides just making sure, you know, that it was run decently and in order, was that I could not tell you how many parents give up their Sundays for sports now for their kids. Like tournament baseball is played on Sunday mornings. Soccer, Sunday mornings. All these things. There is no more, there's not, there's, there's a fight, ladies and gentlemen, for our Sundays. And parents, I know sometimes that it's hard, but God will give you options for your kids. He did it for mine. And we never played sports on Sundays. Amen? So don't let that tell you that that's the way. Don't let culture tell you that that's how you have to do it. Amen? But God was not created to be contained just on a few hours on a Sunday morning. In order for us to produce the power that we need to be producing as the body of Christ, the Bible says four different places, the just shall live by faith. The just, Romans 10.38, Romans 1.17 is a couple of them. The just shall live. It doesn't say the just shall have one day a week where they live by faith. The Bible doesn't say the just shall for a few hours on a Sunday morning if it's convenient. If I don't have anything else going on, I feel okay, then I'll get up and I'll go and I'll be a part of church. And that's, folks, for what we need to be doing right now, we have to totally immerse ourselves in the Word of God. It has to become so much more than just a place that I go on Sundays. It has to become something that is, that, 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 that's all, that is coming out of my mouth. It's going into my ears. It's going into my eyes. It's coming out of my mouth. It's going into my ears. It's gotta be something that, well, pastor, how do you do that and still work and live a job? We're doing it already, but we're doing it with network news. We're doing it with movies and television and Netflix. It's constantly going into our ears. We can't do anything without having our phones. I can't watch TV without having my phone. How weird is that? Why is that? Because I don't want to miss something. But we are being conditioned. We're being conditioned. And I challenged everyone in Sunday school this morning, if you want to have a great week, a great week, anybody want to have a great week from now until next Sunday, you want to have a great week? Turn off the TV and turn off your phone. Do you know that I went 40 years without ever needing a phone? Do you know that I went to public school? I went to elementary school, kindergarten, all the way up through high school. 11th grade three times, and I never, I'm the only one in my class that can go to the 84, 85, and 86 graduation parties. 
But do you know that not at one time, not at one time, not one time did I ever need a phone? Think about that for a minute. And what's our number one fear when we send our kids to school and why we give them a phone? Well, what if there's a shooter there and I want them to be able to call somebody? Folks, they're going to know. We're going to know if something's going on at that school. We've given that phone too high of a place. It's taking God's place in the lives of our children because it's what they trust. It's what they get. It's what your, the phones are what is pastoring this generation right now. Everything that's coming through that phone, that's what's pastoring our kids right now. Social media is trying to pastor your children. It's where they get all of their, am I good, am I bad? Did, did you, I put something on, did you like it? Oh, they didn't like it, nobody loves me. We are living in a world of instant gratification, and folks, it was bad before the phones got here. It already was bad before it got here. So what does this have to do with what I'm preaching? Absolutely nothing. But it's important. Amen? If you want to enjoy a great week, I encourage you, fast your phone and fast TV for a week. Just turn it off. Now, use the phone as a phone. Remember when a phone was a phone? Now they have devices that have everything except a phone. It doesn't make any sense. Put the stuff away. We are, we are, we are surrounded this is where all of our unbelief comes from, is because we are constantly surrounded with all the negative, foreign, faith-polluting substances that we are feeding on on a regular basis. And if we would just take the time to go back and get on... Why did, why did Daniel, why did he want vegetables and water? Because it was pure. They were trying to give him all the king's food, and the king's food was rich and fatty, and it tasted good, and it had gravy and, you know, chicken fried steak and all that good stuff, but you can't live off of that. It's junk food for the soul. Daniel realized that if I'm going to, and Daniel had visions from God. Do you see the correlation between what he ate and what he saw? Do you see the correlation between what he was allowing into his system and what he was able to do? There's a correlation there, but we do it with our minds. We're allowing too much junk to enter into our minds. Amen? We need to be able to stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, and not have any doubt or any unbelief in our hearts. Amen? That's why I want to continue this morning for a few minutes just talking about being sanctified. Amen? We have been called out. We are supposed to be different. God does not practice catch and release. God did not throw a hook into the water, catch you with a hook, pull you out, take the hook off, then throw you right back in the water after you got caught. God does not practice catch and release. But here's the missing part, I think, for a lot of us. We understand that we have been called out from, but just as important, we have been called to. We have been called out from this world, but not just because of the world's sake, but we've been called to God. He is holy. We are holy. A holy people, consecrated, 
set apart, set aside. Do you ever notice that everything that God did, He was always calling somebody out? For this reason, shall a man leave his mother and father and cling to his wife? Adam was called out. God went and got Israel. Why didn't God just do with Israel what He wanted to do while they were in the land of Goshen? Because that wasn't the plan. He didn't just call them out of Egypt. He called them to Canaan. We have to recognize that we haven't just been called out of the world, but we've been called to the Father. We've been called to a promised land. We've been, we've been called to this Canaan land. We've been, we have been called to a place flowing with milk and honey. Which means, even though we are in this world, we should not live like this world. We should not act like this world. We are not subject to the same thing that this world is subject to. Why is that? Because we are not from here. The Bible says we're from above. We're from above. Say that. I'm from above. That doesn't mean you live upstairs. We are called from above. Let's look at uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you right now for your anointing. I thank you for the grace. I take authority over every assignment and every attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over this place. And I thank you, Lord, that we are stirred up this morning. That, Father, we are, we are in a place, Father, of expectancy to hear what you have to say to us, that this word is life and that it is power. And Lord, it's more important than oxygen and food. This word is life to us as a believer in Christ. Lord, it is our fuel. It is our future. It is everything, Lord. And we thank you for the word of God. We are honored even that you gave it to us, that you gave us an open book test in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, 26. Husbands, love your wives. We could just stop right there. Husbands, love your wives. Good advice, huh? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, there's that word, and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. I want you to notice that when Jesus was talking about this bride, that what Jesus was trying to do, Jesus didn't look at us and say, hey, let me see what I can get from those people to make my life better. Jesus looked at us, the body, and said, what can I do to make their life better? Think about that. Jesus wasn't in this so that he could build his own kingdom and do his own thing. He was trying to say, what can I get to them that will make their lives better? What can I do that will improve their quality of life? And so we have this beautiful analogy of the washing of the water of the word. Now, I don't know what kind of, I, I did some study on it, but really what I saw was that Jesus took the word and when we were dead and we were dying in sin and we were lost going to a sinner's hell, that he took that word and he washed us clean. 
But that water of the word, it didn't just do the outside, it did the inside. And he washed us and he sanctified us and he set us apart. We have to recognize, see, life is so cheap in this nation. It's so cheap, it's a business. It's a business. Murder is a business in our nation. Because life is cheap, because we've, we've reduced it down to a surgical procedure, and it's no longer murder. Life is cheap, but what God is saying is, is to my bride, I want to wash her. Husbands, one of the best things that we can do with our wives is wash her with the water of the word. Speak the word over your wife and see what happens later, whether it is good or whether it is bad. You want your wife to love you? Wash her with the water of the word. Jesus encouraged the bride. He washed the bride. He, he prayed for the bride. He washed her with the word. He took the word of God because it's only the word that has the ability to separate the sin off of us. It's only his word that can do that. It sanctifies us. It sets us apart. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 7. It says, Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to the law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your own brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such, what's the next word? Were. Say were. The church is supposed to be a bunch of were's, not a bunch of ours. When we got saved, we got separated out. Now, I am the chief sinner in this room. I can account for about 99.9% .9 of everything that he just said would not inherit the kingdom of God. I was into it. I knew what was right and wrong. I knew I was raised in a good home. I knew, but I rebelled and I did what my flesh wanted to do. And when I got saved, I didn't bring any of that with me into my new life. I got delivered from it. Because it was leading me to death. Now I want you to notice something. If it's good in your life, it will lead you to life. If it's bad in your life, it will lead you to death. And there's no two ways about it. So the church was supposed to be a bunch of wars. We were thieves. We were, were idolaters. We were homosexuals. We were all these things. We were. It's not that we are. Now, I want you to notice Paul is talking to the church. 
He's not talking to the world. The sin problem has been dealt with. People do not, who are not in the church, do not go to hell for being thieves. They go to hell because they never made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Does everybody understand that? There's a big difference there. Paul is talking to the church. He's saying, you were these things, and such were some of you, not are. So when I get born again, when I get saved, I get set apart, I get sanctified, that old life died and all those things that went along with it. And now I'm living this new life. And guess what? This new life, folks, it should be different than what you came out of. If you were dealing with tons of depression before you were saved, you should not be dealing with tons of depression after you were saved. There should be a change. There should be something different. Well, what's the difference? It's the sanctification of the Word of God. Is are we taking the Word of God? Are we taking it? Are we applying it? See, my favorite verse in the Bible is, is uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry, 12 chapter, uh, um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I have to ask myself in every situation, am I conforming to what's going on around me or am I transforming it? Am I just saying, well, COVID's going to be around forever. That's what they said. I guess that's what we're going to do. I am conforming now to the will of what they're telling me. You were not made to conform. You were made to transform. The body of Christ is transformational. We are the change factor in the world today. If you take one of us, drop us in a jungle with a Bible, we can transform that area into a godly place because we have a transformation power that's inside of us. But we don't look at ourselves that way. We just conform. We just go along just like the world does. My mom used to tell my younger brother Troy, Troy, you're an Israelite, but you're trying to live like an Egyptian. You understand the reference there? We're Israelites. Why are we trying to live like Egyptians? Everybody familiar with the Jurassic Park movies? Everybody watch Jurassic Park? That's what happens in our souls when we try and live a new life, but we bring the old stuff with us. We bring these things that were eating us alive and killing us and let them loose in our new life and just hope that we can tame them long enough that they won't hurt anybody. Did you notice that there are no dinosaurs roaming the earth today? Do you think that's for a reason? Because we can't live the old and the new together. One is going to overpower the other. Amen? We have been sanctified. We have been set apart. First John 3, verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When we do baptisms, baptism is a sign of sanctification. We are going down into that water one way, and we are coming up another. Who has not been water baptized that would like to be? Just a show of hands. Anybody that has not been water baptized that would like to be? Amen. Some hands. We're, we're working on that. 
Praise God. Amen. That's very, very important for a believer because that's a picture of sanctification. I am going into that water one way. When I tell people when I baptize them, all this stuff, whatever your weakness is, whatever you're, however you are still identifying with Adam and not identifying with Jesus, leave it in the water. And when you come back up, you're a new creature, fresh, something that's never been before. You have been set apart. But it's the Word of God that sets us apart. And if we're not spending enough time in His Word, reading His Word, praying His Word, speaking His Word, that sanctifying power is not there, and we begin to act more and more of like where we came from instead of where we're supposed to be. That's why to the believer, that's why the Word is so vital to you and me as a believer. It is the fuel for everything. It's the foundation for everything. If I'm not doing that part, and it's got to be more than on a Sunday morning for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, however long I speak. Today should be a culmination of us coming together and us going, yeah, yeah, that's what God was telling me too. Do you know, Pastor, how many times have you done that? Has God been talking to you at home and you come here and someone preaches the same thing that you're, that you're thinking? What does that mean? That means we're on the right page together. That means we're doing the right thing. That means we're all seeking God together. That's why we're reading through the Bible together. Because we're all reading the same sad stuff in Ezekiel together. And I don't want to read Ezekiel anymore. I don't care about the temple and the grounds and the yards. I don't care. Give me love. Give me grace. Give me some miracles. I'm kidding. I like Ezekiel. I'm going to meet him one day. Hello. Yes, I read your book. I have questions. <laughs> Amen. But it's the Word, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Word. Listen to this. Live your life in such a way that those who don't believe can see that there is something you have that is good and wonderful. Something different. Something that they are curious about. Something they want for themselves. We should have a life that is so envious that the world looks at us just like the Egyptians looked at Israel and said, I want what you have. That's why it's so important for us to walk in this blessing. Because that blessing is a dinner bell to the world that God is real. When everybody in your job is getting laid off and you get promoted, that's, that's a testimony. Amen. That's an opportunity to ring that bell and say, I'm blessed. When everybody around you gets COVID and you don't, that's an opportunity to say, I'm blessed. Amen. My covenant's working. Amen. And we need to be on our covenant with this thing. We really, really do. We need to be pleading the blood of Jesus, speaking Isaiah 53, 2 Peter 2.24. We need to be on that. It needs to be regular. It needs to be habit to us. It needs to be a lifestyle to us and for us and through us. Amen. I really feel like y'all are going to be more excited on the way home when you really think about all that I've said this morning. We have to let the Word sanctify us. It's the sanctification that will keep you away from evil. Let me give you a couple of more Scriptures. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. This is a pattern that God gave for us. 
Uh, let me just start in verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. And when you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Now, a lot of us would just look at that and all the ladies would say, well, obviously he's just talking about men with harlots and those types of things. No, no, that is temptation, period. The more time that I spend in the Word of God letting it separate me from the world, I will recognize temptation more aptly when it shows up. Because lust is deceitful. If you have been reading along with us in the Bible and you have noticed that we were in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, the kingdom was popping. I mean, you had this kingdom, Solomon and David, and I mean, it was so big and it was so full of majesty and glory and gold and horses. And I mean, it was the center point of the whole world. The queen of Sheba was coming to Solomon for advice. I mean, it was the epicenter, the center of everything. And then you get to the end of Ezekiel. The walls are broken down. The people are gone. They're in captivity. They've lost their heritage. They don't know who they are anymore. And it goes back to one simple thing. They didn't do this verse because the more you stay in the Word, the more you continue doing what you know to do, the less apt you are to get seduced by the deceitfulness of lust. Because lust came in and nobody caught it. And it didn't kill it that first day, and it didn't kill it that second day, but it went into a death cycle where now every king after Solomon lost more and more of the kingdom. They got farther and farther away from God. You had a split in the kingdom where two tribes stayed to the south, ten tribes went to the north. Now you have Samaria. Now you get into all of this conquering and idolatry, and you're at the end of the book going, how did that happen? Didn't they just have everything? Folks, we have everything. Do you understand that? Yes. We have everything right now. And the only way that Satan can get it from us is through the deceitfulness of lust or to convince you that you don't have to keep doing what you're doing to keep what you have. We ha and the only way that we can keep away from the evil woman is to do what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, is to keep the Word before my eyes, to keep it coming out of my mouth, to listen to my commands, to be obedient, to do what God's called me to do. But what we do is we say, I don't have to do that anymore. No one can tell me what to do. This is my body. I can do with it what I please. There's nowhere in the Bible where God ever blesses rebellion. None. There's not one instance in the Bible where God blesses rebellion. If I am hard-hearted in an area, God can't speak to me in that area. If I've already decided what I believe in an area and goes against the Word of God, I have a hard heart, God can't work with me. Why isn't God talking to me? Why can't I hear His Spirit? Why, why can't I hear His voice anymore? It's because we've got hard hearts. We've already made up our mind what the Bible says. God's so quiet. Why is it so quiet? Is this that heavy? 
Can we just repent today about having hard hearts? I'm the chief, man. I, I mean, I have calluses on my hands from years and years of weightlifting, but I have calluses on my heart from unbelief. As I said this morning, when's the last time you saw a miracle? When's the last time you saw blind eyes opened or an arm grow out? When's the last time we ever saw someone raise the dead? Woe is me. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Uh, okay. Are we a spirit-filled church? Yes. We got the Holy Ghost? Yes. Do we look like Acts chapter 2? Not so much. We have Holy Ghost light. L-I-T-E. Folks, it all starts with me. Don't you dare think I'm sitting up here condemning you. This all starts with me. We have to produce an atmosphere for the supernatural to happen. I want miracles. I want the gifts of the Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. Salvation is as much a miracle as anything else. But He gave us these gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. He gave us the gifts of faith and miracles and healings. And I don't see where those were relegated to guest speakers. Amen? He gave us these gifts because someone in this room right now, you need a word from God. But if we don't know how to get it to you, you're going to leave here just as confused as when you came. Someone's calling at least. Hey, man, talk to them. Pick up the phone. Let them know Jesus is alive. I don't know. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Let's stand up. But can we do this this morning? And I hope I've preached you to a place this morning not to do something because I'm asking you to do it, but to do something because we know it's the right thing to do. And that we need to ask the Lord, they really want to talk to somebody. That's okay. As long as it doesn't blow up, we're fine. Let me have it. I'll talk to him. All right. They, they might need Jesus. That might be a word for somebody. Or it might be Domino's at your gate waiting to get in with your pizza. It could be one of the two. But can we just take a second? And can we just ask God if there's anywhere in our hearts that are hard towards him or hard towards his bride, his body? Can we just ask him if there's anything in our hearts, Lord, that because I'm finding out that the number one reason I'm not hearing God in some of these areas is because my heart is hard towards him and he's speaking, but I can't hear him. And I need to hear him right now more than I've ever needed to hear him my whole life. But we've allowed religious traditions and the opinions of men to take the place over what God's word says. So Father, I just humbly come before you and I mean this with all my heart. Lord, we, we want to go after you with all that we have. God, we want West Houston Christian Center to be the church that from the foundations of time, you looked down and you said, this is your vision, this is your calling, this is your purpose. So Father, me as senior pastor of West Houston Christian Center, I repent and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I ask you to take out this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. 
Lord, the compassion that we need for those that are going to hell. The compassion, Lord, the patience that we need to speak to this world that is so impatient. Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Lord, of being hard-hearted. And Lord, I'm asking you, Father, to restore, and I'm asking you to restore our relationship to the way that it needs to be, where I can hear your voice. And Lord, not wonder and question, was that you or wasn't it you? No, it was you. This message was you this morning, it was all you. So Father, by faith, we step into this as a body. And it's not about numbers, Lord, it's not about numbers. It's about the, the state of our hearts today. Oh God, we cry out to you, Father, to heal us, to heal our land, to forgive us of our sins and trespasses, to fill us with your spirit, to set us on the right path. Lord, to give us a hunger for your word and for the things that are righteous. And Lord, just make us hate the things that are evil. Forgive us, Lord, for playing with things that we know we shouldn't be playing with, watching things we know we shouldn't watch, entering into gossip and opinions that we have no business entering into. Forgive us, Lord, for speaking when we were supposed to and being silent when we shouldn't. I thank you, Lord, that each one of us, Father, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That, Lord, we have a dynamo, we have a power pack in us. So, Lord, by faith, we're going to walk this thing out. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in the lives of each person in this room. I take authority over sickness, illness, and disease. I take authority over fear. Anything that would condition us, Lord, anything that would try and move us from our blessed, promised place. And we receive forgiveness, God, as we repent to you. And I thank you, Lord, for this glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Moving forward, Lord, with great power and great strength, doing what it was called to do in your name, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? You're going to look back at this day, and you're going to say, hey, yes, it was their 25th wedding anniversary, so that'll be a good way to remember it. But you're going to look back at this day as a marking time in your life. God did something in this room this morning. He did something deep within our hearts for those that were open to what he had to say. Now, we gotta walk this thing out, which means don't just go back and start doing everything you were doing before. Ask him, can you put 10 minutes of prayer in in the morning, first thing? Can you put 15 minutes, can you, can you start adding in the things you know you need to add in and take out the things you know you need to pull out? Could we pray for an hour? For some of us, that's very, very hard because our minds are so consumed with everything that's going on. We couldn't be away from our phone for an hour. We might miss something. I'm just as guilty. Amen? So I want to encourage you. What we did, we just did by faith. But now start putting in the Word. Start listening to some CDs in the car, on YouTube. Listen to this sermon. Listen to other sermons. Condition yourself. Change your appetite. Change what you taste and ask God to help you with your desires. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, this is going to sound terrible, but we're going to go have cake now. <laughs> kind of goes totally against everything that I just said. If you're a first-time guest, Pastor Steve is going back here to our member services. That's our little circular desk in the back. 
We have a gift that we would like to give you just to say thank you for coming. And then as a bonus gift for those that are here, we'll have some cake in the fellowship hall. Don't run off if you don't have to, but parents, please get your children before you go into the fellowship hall. Jesus is Lord. You're dismissed.